Uh, welcome to our um, MPOJC Urbanized Area Policy Board meeting on November 15th. Uh, I'd like to recognize any alternates? I don't think there are any. Okay. Mr. Chair. Uh, the next item is consider approval of the meeting minutes of July 2nd, 2023. Do I have a motion? Move approval. I'll second. Any comment, discussion? All those in favor, please say aye. Aye. Any opposed? Aye. The motion passes. The, uh, the next item is setting the next board meeting date, time and location. Looks like it'll be in late January. Yeah, so we always like to have our meeting the last Wednesday of the month, which is the 31st of January this year. Uh, so we have as much time as we can to prepare our budgets and align those with the East Central Iowa Council of Governments. Also, I just wanted to point out that we have this room scheduled again. We usually don't go back to back, uh, but we're having some conflicts with getting rooms scheduled uh, down at the county. It was their turn, so we'll just go ahead and have it here again uh, in January. Very good. Uh, moving on to public discussion of any item not on the agenda. Is there anyone in the public who would like to speak? Welcome. Uh, good evening. I'm Matt Berkey, the Iowa Safe Route to School Coordinator for the Iowa Bicycle Coalition. We had great success in Johnson County this past Walk Bike Roll to School Day with a handful of schools being part of the over 30 that participated in the state. And to continue the growth of this project, I propose that we form a partnership with the MPO to create a Safe Routes to School Committee with the Johnson County MPO to get every school on board to make sure we are not leaving any student behind when we promote active transportation. We have had great success in Dubuque with the Dubuque MPO starting a Safe Routes Committee there and identifying problems on why kids are not biking, walking, or rolling to school. And I believe we could do the same same thing in Johnson County. Thank you. Thanks. Sounds good. Uh, Mr. Chair, I did have just a couple other things I want to mention quickly. Uh, the first is that everybody's chair, there should be a new agenda. And this agenda is the exact same as the agenda that was in your packet, save for one thing. The, um, the chairperson wanted to add under other business, we provided a link. So it is a video link to an interview with Jesse Singer, author of There Are No Accidents. Um, and I think it's about a 60 minute video or so. Uh, so again, same agenda, just wanted to provide the video link under other business. And, and second, I wanted to quick um, note that this is our last meeting of the year. Uh, hard to believe already, and for that, we typically have some folks that are rotating off uh, in January, and of course, some folks that will rotate on. And I just wanted to take a quick minute to recognize just a few folks uh, in the room. Uh, the first is the chair, John Thomas. Uh, John has been the chair for the last two years, and he's been on the board for eight years. Uh, congratulations to John, and thank you very much for your help. Second is Pauline Taylor, uh, who I don't see here tonight, but Pauline. Right there. <laughs> oh, she is here. You're right on, you're right on time. Um, Pauline has also been uh, on the board for eight years, and I don't think uh, Pauline has missed a meeting yet, and this meeting will be no different. Just so, wait. yeah, come on in, Pauline. Sit next. Yeah, sure, come on in. All right. And thanks for Pauline for all your help over the years. Not least is Mayor Steve Berner. Uh, Steve, I believe, has been on the board for 12 years. I think every year you were mayor, you were on the board, um, and also served as chair in 19 and 20, I believe it was. Uh, so thanks, Steve, for all your hard work. Uh, very much appreciated. And I'll make sure to get these to you all. Um, 
that, uh, if I did my math right, is a combined 28 years of service uh, to residents of Johnson County. So again, congratulations to all. I really appreciate all your help over the years. All right. Uh, we'll move on to administration. Uh, the first item there is confirm entities that will nominate Johnson County representatives to the East Central Iowa City Count Iowa Council of Governments, ECI COG Board of Directors. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Kent Ralston, Executive Director. Uh, you may recall that the MPO bylaws stipulating how appointments were made to the ECCOG Board of Directors uh, were revised and approved back in 2020. Uh, per those revised bylaws, each January, the Johnson County Board of Supervisors appoints uh, one supervisor and then as well a citizen representative uh, to the ECCOG Board. Uh, and then the Urbanized Area Policy Board appoints two elected official representatives to the ECCOG Board uh, per the, the process that's in your memo. Um, as I stated, the elected official seat and one citizen representative are to be designated by Johnson County. Uh, the current representative is John Green, uh, Johnson County Supervisor, and then Allison Wells uh, serves as the citizen appointment. Uh, second, one elected official seat will be filled by the four largest municipalities by population, uh, which alternate annually. Uh, currently, it is Mayor Megan Foster of Coralville uh, rotating off, and then the 2024 representative is to be designated by the City of North Liberty. Uh, and then lastly, one elected official seat is filled by the remaining municipalities, which alternate annually. Uh, currently, it's Chris Taylor, mayor of Swisher, uh, that'll be rotating off the board, and then the 2024 representative is to be designated by Oxford. So I will reach out to all three of those organizations uh, and just send a reminder along. Um, and the designees will then be recognized by this board at your January meeting. And I'm happy to answer any questions that you might have. I, I do have one, Kent. Sure. Um, just Hypothetically, if Oxford says we don't really think we can fill the position, do you just move to the next city on the list? Yeah, correct. And or they can also contact any elected official in the county. So e either way, and I would give them the option if they wanted to choose one of their own uh, or choose someone of their own choosing, that'd be fine. Otherwise, I would just move on to the next community. Yep. And I think that happened maybe once with Oxford before, um, might have been one of the other small communities, but Oxford, I think, struggles just a little bit with getting personnel there. It's a good question. All right, that's it. no more questions. We'll move on to the appointing the nominating committee for calendar year 2024, <clears throat> Urbanized Area Policy Board Officers. Yeah, thank you. So at your January meeting, you will elect a chairperson and vice chairperson for the calendar year 2024 Urbanized Area Policy Board. Uh, the chairperson is, of course, responsible for presiding over all the meetings, and the chairperson uh, and director are also responsible for signing contracts and other federally required documents. Uh, as director, it's been my practice to meet with the board chair, uh, either in person, phone call, quick emails, uh, to discuss the agenda and make sure we're getting done what we need to get done. Um, and what I ask of you is that you please consider appointing a three-person nominating committee to recommend a chair and vice chair for the 2024 uh, board. Uh, the nominating committee will then report at our next meeting in January uh, where the board chair and vice chair will be elected. Uh, currently, the chair, of course, is John Thomas. Uh, John's been the chair for the last two years, and we appreciate that. The vice chair is Louise Fromm, uh, Mayor University Heights. Uh, Louise has also been the vice chair for two years, and we appreciate that. Uh, both those positions have a two-year maximum term limit, so uh, neither of you could serve in that capacity again. Uh, and that said, I'm happy to answer any questions. Otherwise, just looking for three folks that would like to sit on a nominating committee and just report back in January with your uh, recommendation. 
I'll volunteer, Ken. Thank you, Chris. I can do that. Lori, thank you very much. And is there a third? Okay. Don't mind two from the same place. No, I don't. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate that. <clears throat> it's not typically been too contentious in the past, so. And I'll reach out. I'll reach out to you three uh, with some information as well. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, everybody, on that. Uh, the next item is the preliminary discussion of the fiscal year 25 MPOJC budget. Yeah, thanks. Prior to the preparation of the budget uh, for your consideration in January, um, it's been my practice to discuss any proposed changes to the MPO scope of services or operations with the board, um, and pages from the current year 24 budget are attached uh, for your reference. Uh, the focus of the MPO remains, uh, as stated in the memo, to fulfill requirements necessary for local communities to receive state and federal transportation capital and operating funds, which I think is probably uh, most important to, to, to most of you, probably. Uh, second would be to produce professional studies and support transportation-related decisions and capital project selection and funding, which is really where we spend the bulk of our time uh, with our Transportation Technical Advisory Committee. Uh, third is to coordinate transit planning and transit reporting uh, consistent with state and federal regulations for Coralville Transit, University of Iowa CAN bus, and Iowa City Transit. Uh, and then lastly, and to a lesser degree, is to serve as a forum for other regional issues and discussions, which we're always happy to do, but um, have been fewer in the past few years. Uh, capital expenses for FY25 are expected to be very similar uh, to recent years, um, and I anticipate about two and three quarter percent increase uh, over the 24 budget, and it's primarily just staff salaries and benefits. Um, the total MPO budget in 24 was just uh, about 770,000, and the FY25 uh, anticipated budget's about 790,000, so it's about a $20,000 increase. Um, the good news is, is that I anticipate using about $280,000 worth of DOT uh, PL funds, or planning funds they're called this year, um, where last year we only used about $230,000 uh, of the, that same pool of funds. With the new transportation uh, bill that was passed several years ago now, uh, there's more funding available to us. Uh, so we'll spend about 50,000 more in DOT funding, which will defray the, the extra funding we would ask from you all normally, um, which I think we'll be able to hold assessments flat is my plan. Um, we'll use just a little bit of reserve funds from, from uh, previous years, but we should be able to hold assessments flat. And I think we'll be able to do that for at least a few more years, which will be nice. So while everything else is raising, we're trying to keep ours at least uh, as flat as we can. Um, I am happy to answer any questions you have. Otherwise, we'll bring the full budget back to you uh, for your consideration at our January 31st meeting. All right. Thanks, Ken. Thank Not you. Hearing any questions, we'll move on to transportation planning. And the first item there is the public hearing and consideration of amendments to the fiscal year 24-27 MPOJC Transportation Improvement Program, TIP. Hannah. Thank you very much. Uh, good afternoon, Hannah Neal, Associate Transportation Planner. As mentioned, we are asking the Policy Board to amend the adopted FY24 to 27 MPOJC Transportation Improvement Program, or TIP. As a reminder, the TIP is the programming document for all surface transportation projects that receive state or federal funds, including street and highway, transit, rail, bike, and ped projects in the Iowa City urbanized area. 
MPOJC submits the TIP annually to the Iowa DOT to document the status of local transportation projects using state and federal funds. To utilize these funds, projects must be in the TIP with accurate scope and funding source. So we're discussing four amendments to the FY24-27 to TIP today. First, Iowa DOT has requested an amendment to include a new project in FY24, the Burlington Street Highway 1 Bridge Improvements Project. This project has been awarded $300,000 in earmarked bridge investment program or BIP funds through the Iowa DOT. These funds are to be used for a study of alternates and group options, stakeholder engagement, outreach, and environmental review. Iowa City will provide a $300,000 local match for these funds. Um, also earlier this year, the Burlington Street Highway 1 Bridge Improvements Project was awarded $7.3 million for FY28. Those are STBG funds though. Because the current TIP only goes out to FY27, the, these STBG funds will be programmed in next year's FY25 to 28 TIP. Iowa DOT is requesting this amendment to track the earmarked funds. Uh, the STBG funds and the earmarked funds are programmed separately for tracking purposes. I am happy to answer any questions you may have at this time. Okay, great, seeing none, moving forward. Um, Iowa DOT has requested an amendment to update a project funding amount for the new bridge, grade and pave traffic signs on I-380 from north of Forever Green Road to north of Swan Lake Road in Johnson County. Iowa DOT is requesting this amendment due to project costs increasing by over 50% in FY24. Currently, FY24 shows $8,523,000 total with $7,670,700 in federal aid funds and $852,300 in PRF funding. The new funding amounts in FY24 would be $13 million total with $11.7 million in NHPP federal aid funds and $1.3 million in PRF funds. The funding amounts for FY24 through 27 are staying the same at this time. Any questions? Great. On to the third. Uh, Corville Transit and University of Iowa Canvas have requested an amendment to include two new projects in the FY in FY24 to include shortfall funding for the capital replacement of a light duty bus in the Corville Transit fleet and one in the Canvas fleet as well. Iowa DOT is offering shortfall funding assistance due to recent dramatic price increases for vehicle replacements. In order to receive this extra funding, it must be programmed into the current TIP. The Iowa DOT shortfall funding for Corville Transit Bus 10225 is a total of $53,437, with a federal share of $45,421 and a local share of $8,016. Iowa DOT shortfall funding for the University of Iowa CAN bus, bus number 13 is a total of $38,109, with federal share of $32,393 and a local share of $5,716. Any questions? Okay, great, last one. Uh, thanks for holding in. Uh, University of Iowa Canvas has requested an amendment to update the project description and funding amounts for the University of Iowa Canvas Transit Facility Project. 
The current project description reads as expansion and upgrade includes mechanical and hoists of maintenance facility project in Iowa City, Iowa. And the current funding amounts are $7 million total with $5.6 million in federal and $1.4 million local share. The new project description reads as modernize, expand, equip for battery electric buses and upgrade includes mechanical and hoists of maintenance facility project in Iowa City, Iowa. And the new funding amounts is $13 million total with 10.4 million in federal share and 2.6 million in local share. This amendment is being done in part in preparation to apply for future grant monies as well. Um, once again, happy to answer any questions at this time. Great. Um, the Transportation Technical Advisory Committee voted unanimously to recommend the approval of these proposed amendments at their meeting last week, and we are requesting approval of the proposed amendments. I was just going to mention before you move into the public hearing that we try to keep the amendments to the Transportation Improvement Program to a minimum. Uh, unfortunately, because, well, it, it's, it's a good problem to have, I guess, but unfortunately, because there's so many more grants available now um, that we've been receiving, which is the good part of that, but also because of all the inflated costs for projects, whether that's a transit project or a road project, we're just seeing a lot more uh, amendments that need to be made. So uh, we try to minimize those for the public's benefit, but because of the situation we're in, we just continue to see more and more of these. All right, I'm going to, this is a public hearing. I, I'm going to open the public hearing. Is there anyone from the public who would like to speak on any of these four items? Seeing no one, I'm going to close the public hearing. And uh, in discussing this with Kent, uh, we, we're gonna go through each one of these separately. So um, I will provide the, the title and I will ask for a, uh, a motion on each of these. Uh, the first item is adding the bridge investment program funding for the Burlington Street Highway 1 bridge improvements project. Consider an amendment for that. Do I have a motion? So moved. Second. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Uh, the second amendment concerns the adjusting the funding amounts for the I-380 project from north of Forever Green Road to north of Swan Lake Road. May I have a motion? So moved. Second. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? Hearing none, the motion is approved, as was the one prior. Uh, the third item uh, amendment to be considered is the Coralville and University of Iowa from the Coralville and the University of Iowa, which is adding Iowa DOT shortfall funding for two light duty transit buses. May I have a motion for that? I'll second that. All those in favor say aye. 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 Any in opposed? Motion passes. And the last item is uh, from the University of Iowa, uh, adjusting the funding amounts and project description for the maintenance facility expansion project. May I have a motion for that? So moved. Second. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Anyone opposed? And that motion passes as well. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, the next item is consider a resolution for the City of Tiffin's Iowa Clean Air Attainment Program grant application. 
Good evening, Emily Bothell, Senior Associate Transportation Planner. The City of Tiffin is applying for Iowa Clean Air Attainment Program funding through the Iowa Department of Transportation for the construction of a double lane roundabout on North Park Road and that is shown in the attached exhibit in your packet. The full project will include the reconstruction of North Park Road from a two-lane section to a four-lane section with a median, ADA-compliant pedestrian ramps, a 10-foot-wide shared-use path, a pedestrian underpass, and a roundabout at the entrance to Tiffin Elementary. To, to be eligible for ICAP funding, Tiffin must include a resolution from the MPO Policy Board stating the project is in compliance with our adopted long-range transportation plan. And based on our evalu evaluation, excuse me, the project will help achieve two strategies outlined in the plan, namely supporting complete streets designs and improving efficiency for the existing network for all modes. We recommend the policy board approve the enclosed resolution confirming the project is in line with the long range plan and I'd be happy to answer any questions you may have. Not hearing any questions. Uh, I'd like to uh, entertain a motion for the resolution for the city of Iowa, city of Tiffins, Iowa clean air attainment program grant application. I'll move that. Second. Any further discussion or comments? All those in favor, please say aye. Aye. Anyone opposed? <coughs> Motion passes. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Mm -hmm. The next item is consider approval of the safety targets and performance measures for the MPO as required by the Federal Highway Administration. Yeah, thanks. You may recall we've done this for the last several years now. Uh, the Federal Highway Administration now requires the MPO set targets for five safety performance measures, and they're outlaid in your uh, memo as part of the Highway Safety Improvement Program, and then we have to report those to the Iowa DOT by February 27th of each year. Uh, for each measure, we need to choose to either support the state's targets, which again are, are laid out for you in your memo, or uh, set our own quantifiable target for each measure uh, for the metropolitan area. Um, in either event, we're required to state how the annual projects programmed and our transportation improvement program uh, show progress towards meeting the adopted targets, and then we have to provide this similar information in our long-range transportation plan update, which will be uh, required in May of 2027. Uh, similar to past years, I again recommend that we adopt the state's targets. Uh, if, if at any given time we feel that creating our own targets would provide a benefit, uh, we've got the opportunity to do so by February 27th of each year. Um, and in fact, uh, there's been one or two MPOs in the state that did uh, create their own targets, which takes some, some work. And because of some recent uh, legislation changes, they had to actually be undone. Um, so again, I just don't see the benefit in doing this uh, right now. Um, I've attached supporting information from the DOT in your packet for your reference, and at the November 7th meeting, the Transportation Technical Advisory Committee unanimously recommended approval of supporting the state's targets. Uh, I'm happy to answer any questions you have, but I did want to point out just a few things. If you actually look at the targets in your memo, the 2018 to 22 baseline numbers, and then if you compare those to the 20 to 24 targets, uh, they don't look very good. They're all actually increasing. So if you look at the number of fatalities, the fatality rate, uh, and whether or not there's injuries, uh, all those numbers are trending in the wrong direction. So if you actually dig into the information that's in the packet a little bit more, uh, I found out uh, why. 
it's the DOT is now using uh, what they're calling an 85% confidence level instead of a 75% confidence level. Um, and it says that they're doing that to uh, uh, a, re a re evaluation of consequences. So I think what they're seeing is that if they're not meeting their targets, there's probably some consequences from the federal government. Um, so what they've done is bumped up their confidence level just a little bit and given themselves a little bit more breathing room. But the other good news is if you actually flip to page seven of the DOT's uh, information that I provided, it actually provides the raw numbers. Uh, so if you looked at the raw number of fatalities, um, it bounces around just a little bit, but the actual raw number of fatalities in the state is about the same as it was a decade ago. Um, and we've got more vehicle miles traveled, so I think that's uh, why no fatality is a good thing. I think that's a, a, a good measure. Um, also, if you looked at that data for serious injuries per 100 million vehicle miles traveled, it's actually trending downward and has been uh, since 2013. So just wanted to point that out. The numbers sort of uh, tell a different story in the memo, um, but there's a good reason for that. And I think we're actually heading in the right direction as a state um, and our MPOs heading in the right direction as well. So just wanted to point that out. Uh, otherwise, happy to answer any questions uh, that you might have. Otherwise, uh, just need a motion on this item as well. And the, re and the recommendation again was to adopt the state's targets, just to be clear. Not hearing any. Questions or comments? Uh, may I have a motion on this one, please? I'll move for approval. Second. Any further comment or discussion? I certainly agree with with Kent. Um, you know, I'm never happy to see any any fatalities, and we actually have been seeing a few in Iowa City. Um, I guess one could say we're trending. It looks like in the right direction. Are we trending? fast enough for my satisfaction? I don't know. <laughs> I tend to think not, but and I, th I think there is more we could do. Um, but I will be approving this consideration. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Anyone opposed? Motion passes. Thank you. Thank you. The next item is updating <coughs> on the Crandick Bus Rapid Transit Feasibility Study. Yeah, thanks. Uh, most of you have probably been tracking this, but just wanted to give you a quick update. Um, many of you remember that the, this last spring, uh, you all gave us direction to move forward with a bus rapid transit feasibility study uh, for the Cranick Railroad, uh, approximately between Penn Street and North Liberty and Burlington Street in Iowa City. Um, the goal of the study is to allow stakeholders, of course, to compare the previously completed passenger rail studies with the information that we come up for the bus rapid transit study, um, including but not limited to economic and social benefits, ridership and revenue forecasts, service plans, uh, equipment requirements, probable cost estimates, and so on. Um, a contract for the work was awarded to Felsberg, Holt, and Olvig, uh, FSU, uh, with Nelson Nygaard. Um, back in September, and they are telling me the work should be completed by June of 24, which I think is good news. Uh, the study is funded by contributions of $100,000 of reserve funds from the MPO, $55,000 from Johnson County, uh, five of which is actually um, to help with ARPA reporting because they're using ARPA funds, uh, and then $25,000 each from Iowa City, Coralville, North Liberty, and the University of Iowa. Um, happy to announce that the kickoff meeting was uh, held several weeks ago and the consultant is up and running. Uh, so we're, we're finally off and running with the project and couldn't be more happy about it. Happy to answer any questions you have, but my plan is just to keep this as a standing item on the agenda, uh, at least through June of next year when we're done with the study. I did wanna, I, I've actually 
heard from some uh, constituents in Coralville. They had read about this in the, the newspaper and had some concerns about their, their property is very close to the, the line. And I, I want to note that and hope that we can find a way to communicate with residents that are going to be affected by this as we move forward and come up with a plan for that. Yep, no, that's a really good point. And I've also heard from a few folks that live in Coralville, um, maybe one in North Liberty. And what I've been telling them is this is a pretty high level study still. I said, you know, we're not into construction drawings yet or anything like that. I said, this is really just to try and find out if it's feasible and if we want to move forward and what that cost could look like. Um, I've told them all that I, I recognize their worry um, and that we would certainly not be moving forward without multiple, multiple options and opportunities for folks to speak uh, to you all before you make your final decisions. So, Thank you. So that's sort of been my message, and that'll continue to be my message. Um, and then, you know, I think the, when the point comes where we decide to move in a direction, uh, clearly there's going to be multiple opportunities through each one of your particular councils as well. So I think we'll, we'll get that all covered. Yeah, good point. Thank you. Yeah, I would think electric buses um, with regard to impacts on adjacent neighborhoods would certainly help. Yeah, yeah, and I think there's some really, I mean, I think there's some um, valid concerns about property values and, you know, just that sort of thing, too. So we'll, we'll have to get that worked out as well. And I have mentioned this to the consultant as well. Yeah. I'll just note that um, as a participant of the Pillar 3 um, Better Together 2030 working group, which is about the connected region, um, that we'll be meeting with Kent, I think, probably next week, mm -hmm. sounds like. Um, to just kind of keep that wider conversation going as the study's underway as well. Yeah, and Katie Gerlock actually contacted me yesterday. It was either today or yesterday um, about wanting to get someone actually on our stakeholder committee, and that's absolutely fine with me. That makes sense. So, so we're happy to do that as well. Right. Um, and I should mention, as far as the stakeholder committee is concerned, uh, every entity that has funding in um, the consultant, well, in the project, has uh, a member on the stakeholder committee. We also have two members, uh, one from the transit side and one from the uh, rail side of the DOT on the committee. And then we'll also have someone from Better Together 2030. It's a good working group. Okay, good. Thanks, Kent. Uh, the next item is an update on the Safe Streets and Roads for All grant status. Hi, Sarah Walls, Associate Transportation Planner with the MPO. In July, MPO staff um, submitted an application to the Safe Streets and Roads for All, the SS4A grant. Um, that's part of the bipartisan infrastructure bill, and it established the um, SS4A discretionary program with $5 billion in appropriated funds over five years, beginning in 2022 and ending in 2026. Um, the gr this grant would provide funding to produce what's called a safety action plan to reduce roadway deaths and serious injuries. And the adoption of the plan, if we get the funding and we can get the plan together, that also um, would make us eligible or make communities eligible for demonstration implementation grants through the same program. On October 27th, the U.S. Department of Transportation announced its first round of grant awards. The MPO's application was not included in that. However, the grant staff included a message um, not to be discouraged by that in the first round that there will be uh, more announcements with the second round in December. We are hopeful. Um, we suspect that the reason why we may not have been included in that first round is about a week, a little over a week before the round was announced. Um, we were asked for clarification because there are a number of 
from the federal level what looked like overlapping grants. Um, in 2022, there was a successful grant um, awarded a 97 county grant that allowed um, counties, including Johnson County, to plan for their secondary roads. Um, there's also a grant application in this year from ECI COG that covers the rural um, communities in Johnson County. Um, nothing that's gone through covers the urbanized area. And so we're hopeful that we'll be included in that December announcement. Yeah, and the, the interesting part about this grant is if, if, if awarded, we would hire a consultant to actually look at um, all the communities. So each one of the five urban communities, uh, um, city management agreed that they wanted to move forward with this. Uh, and what we would be doing is actually hiring a consultant to look at sort of our hot spots. So back to our discussion about our fatalities and injuries and that sort of thing, it would be to look at hot spots and try and pick those out and actually tell us how we can improve. Um, you know, we, we feel like we've got a pretty good handle on these things, but it's always nice to have an outside uh, influence come in with kind of, uh, um, you know, fresh set of eyes. And then as part of this as well, uh, if, if we get this, and then there's actually more funding available for actual infrastructure improvements as part of the second portion of this grant as well. So you've got to have the action plan first, which if we get funding for, we will have. Then we can actually move uh, towards actually applying for uh, actual infrastructure funding to actually correct these issues as well. So it's a really nice uh, grant. We're really hopeful we can be successful. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Okay, moving on to other business. Update on the 380 Express funding from ECI COG press release. Yeah, thanks. So I didn't actually include a memo for myself, but I did include the press release uh, from the East Central Iowa Council of Governments in your packet uh, concerning the 380 Express uh, between Iowa City and Cedar Rapids. Um, like I say, not a lot to share on this, but I did want to point out uh, that there was some good news recently that the Iowa DOT uh, agreed to fund the service as it stands today through uh, at least through June of 2026. So we've got a few more years of funding, uh, which is a really nice thing to have. Uh, I did a little bit of research um, just on you know how successful this was, or excuse me, the services. Uh, it looks like there's about 44 hours of service uh, provided every day by the 380 Express, and they're, they're clocking somewhere around 350 riders a day right now, which is a pretty, pretty good number. Um, it looks like about 66% of those riders are riding for work, 13% uh, are student uh, riders, and then there's the other category. Um, it also looked like uh, the services roughly, and I think Brock Grenis came uh, maybe sometime last year to, to speak with you all about this, but the service uh, runs roughly about $1.2 million a year, uh, and about 200000 of that comes from uh, fares. So in June of 26 or thereabouts, uh, I'm sure the East Central Iowa Council of Governments will want to come speak to you all again uh, to try and probably find that additional million dollars to keep, uh, to keep the service up and running. So good news, at least through uh, June of 26. Just wanted to share that with you all. Yeah, I, I don't know how many of you have ridden I-380 Express, but it's it's really a nice service. It's a very uh, pleasant ride, and I also just hate driving I-380. So <laughs> any way to uh, avoid driving that corridor, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, you know, the, the buses are really nice, and I had heard even they're rotating some of those buses out as part of this. They've just reached the end of their useful life, I guess. Uh, I believe it's Windstar that actually provides the service, and they're actually rotating even more new buses in, so it'll be be at least as good as it is now, if not better. And I've also, I was, I'll be mentioning this, this video in the video. Uh, one, one thing that's mentioned is if you, if you do ride transit, 
you're most likely bringing down serious accidents and fatalities. You have a professional driver behind the wheel, <laughs> and you are not. <laughs> so um, there's that advantage as well. Thank you. Okay, the, uh, the next item is the update on the final Severson Charity Challenge. Hi, Sarah Walls again. Uh, normally I'm here, I have been for the last 11 years um, to announce the um, Severson Challenge. But last year, of course, we decided it would be the last year of the challenge. And some of the money that was raised last year um, went to um, uh, create a memorial bench to Linda Severson, um, which I think she would be touched by. And that's, we have photos for you. And just a reminder that um, the collective efforts of staff in all of our communities raised um, about $90,000 in donations over those 11 years. I'm sure communities will continue. I know Iowa City continues to fundraise for various charities during the holiday season, but we just wanna say thank you to the staff of um, all your communities for helping with that effort. Thank you. Thanks, Sarah. Okay, that, that, uh, the final item under other business is that video link that I was mentioning. And, uh, you know, this is my last meeting here. I'm, I am a bit of a, I've introduced a couple of videos. Um, I think the first meeting we had in January of this year, I had, uh, we actually watched it. It was a short one. This is, this is a longer one. Um, and we've heard many people here have things they want to move on to tonight. So, you know, I provide the video link. Uh, it's, it's with an author, a Jesse Singer. Uh, her book is There Are No Accidents. It's, it's available at the Iowa City Public Library if you would like to read it. I checked Coralville's and I didn't see it. Um, but I think what's interesting with her, her point of view is, as the title suggests, you know, collisions and fatalities and serious accidents are not randomly distributed. There, there usually are patterns to the, to the, the incidents, as, as Kent was saying, hotspots, things of that sort. And that may be because of the systemic designs. You know, the, the actual street design of the system can contribute to those collisions. And um, so the, the, we typically view collisions as, you know, we, we look for the, someone to blame. You know, someone was not paying attention behind the wheel. You know, the rotten apple theory, you know, they're, they're just ways in which we try to, to assign the blame to an individual rather than to the system. And, um, you know, what she says toward the end of, before they get into the Q&A is, you know, we should be designing our roads for the lowest common denominator. You know, we all make mistakes. We all are not paying attention behind the wheel at, at certain times. Um, and she actually mentioned, I think she was quoting a psychologist who said, we should be designing our roads as if we're designing them for drunks, which I thought was sort of an interesting approach with, with the Iowa City in particular, perhaps with our, uh, perhaps the region as a whole. Um, so yeah, design, designed for the lowest common denominator and you're most likely reducing your, your um, fatality and collision rates. So I um, encourage you to check it out. I found it interesting. I'm a, I'm a bit of a traffic nerd, I acknowledge that, but um, I, it's a, actually a pretty compelling interview, I think. So with that being the case, we're on to item six, the adjournment, do I have a motion? So moved. Second. Any 
All those in favor, please say aye. Aye. Anyone opposed? Seeing no one, we are adjourned. Thank you all. Thank you, everyone.